Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to Read, Read, Read with your host, Joanne Burrell on the CWR Talk Network. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Read, Read, Read radio show on the CWR Talk Network. I am your host, Joanne Burrell. Thank you for tuning in today. We'll be taking calls later in the show, and the call-in number is 917-889-8078. The CWR Talk Network is the Causes, Issues, and Life Dynamics Talk Radio Network. We focus on news and information about major causes and issues often overlooked by mainstream media and important topics relating to changing life dynamics. We feature nationally known guests, many of whom are experts in their field. Our hosts are passionate about their work and their particular areas of emphasis. It is our goal to give a voice to those who feel there is no one to speak for them and to assure them that their opinions and concerns matter. I want to recognize the other hosts of the CWR Network, Shireen Rice, Lionel Shipman, Jan Hand, Carolyn Owens, and the show No Sleep. You can hear the CWR Talk Network on our other platforms, such as Blog Talk, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, and Amazon Alexa when available. My purpose and goals for the Read, Read, Read mentoring and reading program is that our listeners understand the magnitude of what is needed for our young people and helping them with their educational goals. And I hope that everyone who is listening to my voice right now will want to support the CWR Talk Network Read, 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 radio show and mentoring and reading program with their time or their finances so that we are able to match students up to mentors and tutoring once a week, four times a month. In celebration of Black History Month, let's support mentoring and reading programs where you are as well as the Read, Read, Read Mentoring and Reading Program. The world in which our children grow up today is increasingly diverse, 
all people have a unique story, but all stories, like all people, have many things in common. And nowhere is this more apparent than in books for children. During Black History Month, we hope you'll take the opportunity to celebrate the diversity and commonality of our country and its people. One wonderful thing about children's books is that they can be a mirror that reveals something within ourselves or a window that shows us something new in the world outside. Children's book author of Going Someplace Special, Patricia McKissack, notes that when you have African-American children in your classroom, it is so good for them to see themselves. If you see yourself in a book, you'll be more likely to pick it up. And if you pick it up, you'll read it. And if you read it, you'll read more. And if you read more, you'll read better. And, of course, that all leads to success. And for those children who are not African-American, Children books can be a window for seeing and understanding understanding another's person, history, and experience. Says McKissack, they open doors for readers who perhaps do not know a lot about the African American experience in this nation or some of the contributions made by African Americans to its growth and development. If you live in Montgomery County, Maryland, or anywhere else that have a parent-teacher-student association in your community, join that PTSA. Some examples of why you should join is this. In Montgomery County, there was a performing arts high school that was about to lose its longtime music teacher. The PTSA launched two petitions, hundreds signed and the school system reversed its decision, and the teacher stayed. Unlike what happened in Chicago about four years ago when 50 schools were closed, PTAs are not in those schools. So having a PTA in your school and having the support of the community can make a difference. Again, we'll be taking calls later in the show. And the call-in number is 917-889-8078. We're going to take our first break, and we'll be right back. Hi, Mom. Is Claire's birthday party today? Me again, Mom. Where did I put my history book? Hi. Sorry, forgot one last thing. Sometimes it's hard to concentrate. At school, I start looking out the window, and then I forget what I was supposed to be thinking about. I know it seems like I don't care, but I do. It's just difficult for me. Love you, Mom. Bye. Join parents and experts at understood.org, a free online resource about learning and attention issues to help your child thrive. Brought to you by understood.org and the Ad Council. Today we decided to walk to school. The light counted. 15, 14... 31? I mean, 13? We, we took, took a, a left, left on Carroll Street. Street. Danny's There's smart, so but he gets distracted. I realized he forgot his homework. I, I hope, hope I don't have another bad day at school. school. 
When you can see learning and attention issues from their side, you can be on their side. That's why there's understood.org, a free resource for the parents of the one in five kids with learning and attention issues. Go from misunderstanding to understood.org. Brought to you by Understood and the Ad Council. Meet the black female NASA genius who helps send the first American into space. Don't know Katherine Johnson? Well, she was the black mathematician behind the U.S.'s first trips to the moon. And she made her mark as a black woman despite working in the Jim Crow South during the 1960s. Johnson, who was born in the tiny town of White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia in 1918, was kind of a total whiz kid, and she loved to count. She skipped grades and started high school at the age of 10, which is pretty astounding in its own right. But it's even more amazing considering that schooling for black students in those days typically ended at the 8th grade. Johnson later went to college to study math before graduating at, get this, 18. She went on to be a teacher and later a stay-at-home mom before landing a position at the newly launched NACA, or as we now know it, NASA, at the Langley Research Center in 1953. She was hired to be a human computer. Women were hired by NASA to count and measure the results of wind tunnel tests. Not only did female computers work separately from their male co-workers, but the female offices were further segregated by color. Black female computers worked in separate rooms from the white female computers, and were even sometimes referred to as colored computers. But Johnson Smarts couldn't be denied. She was transferred to NASA's flight branch after only having worked there for two weeks. There, Johnson wound up calculating the trajectory for Alan Shepard's 1961 mission. It was the first time an American had been to space, and Johnson made sure NASA got it right. Johnson also helped guide the Apollo missions to the moon and was still vital to NASA long after it finally started using quote-unquote real computers. John Glenn, one of NASA's pioneering astronauts, trusted her work so much that he personally requested she recheck calculations from the electronic computers. Though it's pretty clear that Johnson was critical to NASA's first space voyages, Johnson is still only just getting the recognition she rightfully deserved. She's received numerous awards and was even given the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Barack Obama in 2015. About time! A biopic, Hidden Figures, about Johnson and her black female colleagues at NASA is also in the works. The movie stars Taraji P. Henson as Johnson and is slated for release in 2017. It also stars Octavia Spencer as Dorothy Vaughn, Johnson's supervisor and genius programmer and coder at NASA for 28 years. R&B artist Janelle Monet is also tied to the project as Mary Jackson. Jackson was not only one of the badass female computers alongside Johnson and Vaughn at that time, but was also a trailblazer in women's rights. She educated black women in her field on how to advance in their careers from mathematicians to engineers and land positions that were normally never offered. Though the release of Hidden Figures is still a while off, it's receiving huge attention from some well-known names. Pharrell Williams jumped on board as not only a producer, but also the movie's music man. He's written songs for the movie and is even collaborating with Hans Zimmer on the score. Johnson is now retired from spaceships and astronauts. She'll be celebrating her 98th birthday on August 26th, which, coincidentally, is also Women's Equality Day. Share if you think Katherine Johnson's story needs to be heard. Welcome back to Read, Read, Read with your host, Joanne Burrell, on the CWR Talk Network. Welcome back to the Read, Read, Read radio show. I'm so happy to have my guest today, 
you had a um, pre-show during the Martin Luther King holiday, and they are coming back today to continue to talk about their books, to talk about their journey, to talk about what they're doing to get kids to read more. Our first guest is Miss Carla J. Jones, and the title of her book is Mommy, Where Do Black People Come From? She spoke about it a little bit on our previous show, and she's back to speak more about it. Welcome, Ms. Caller, Carla Jones. Hello, and thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Well, let me introduce you. Carla Jones was born and raised in Indianapolis, Indiana. Carla is employed by AES the parent company of Indianapolis Power and Light Company, where she holds the position of strategic sourcing specialist. Carla has one daughter, Danielle, son-in-law, Andre, three grandchildren, Andre Jr., Anaya, and Austin. Mommy, Where Do Black People Come From? is her first book. Her second book, Images of America, African Americans of Giles County, Tennessee, was published in 2010 by Arcadia Publishing. Ms. Jones wrote a biographical entry on Matt Gardner and Henry Louis Gates, Jr. and Evelyn Brooks Higginbotham's African American National Biography published by Oxford Press 2008, and a history and heritage article on Matt and Raymond Gardner for the Heritage of Giles County, Tennessee, published by Walsworth Publishing Company in 2006. Currently, Ms. Jones is working on her third book, This History. In addition, she is working to restore and open the Matt Gardner Homestead Museum, her great-grandfather's home, and one of only a handful of U.S. African-American house museums located in Elton, Tennessee. The Matt Gardner House, a historical landmark, is listed on the National Register of historical places as a significant farmstead associated with African-American heritage, agriculture, commerce, and architecture from 1870 to 1942. The farm provides for the interpretation of a variety of significant historical topics, including slavery, Emancipation, Reconstruction, Education, Religion, Architecture, and Agriculture. Caller has a strong interest in Black history and heritage. She has made a commitment to sharing this story and heritage with all who have a desire to know. Welcome, Ms. Jones. It's a pleasure to have you here this morning. Again, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, 
could you tell us a little bit more about mommy? Where do black people come from? We know you talked about it before, but it's such a wonderful and interesting book. I'm sure our listeners would like to know. Yeah, like I said, Mommy, Where Do Black People Come From is uh, a really, um, it's about 12 pages long, and it's for the young reader, I'd say from preschool to maybe like age six or seven. And it talks about uh, African Americans and where we originated, and it's from a biblical perspective. And the front of the cover, um, actually the book came out 22 years ago. Uh, during Black History Month, uh, based on a uh, series of articles that my pastor did from the Bible. And uh, when he did those series of articles, it was just like um, a light bulb came on as to where I fit it in in America, where I fit it in into history. And at that time, I had no grandchildren. But I knew I wanted them to feel what I have felt over those past four Sundays, Uh, how I was walking around, my chest stuck out, how I, you know, really knew I was somebody. So I wanted them to be able to uh, experience that, but I wanted them to be able to experience it at a younger level. I wanted to catch them early to know that they were uh, from beautiful black beginnings. And so um, once he did the series, the first uh, the first three series um, were titled uh, Black History, uh, Black Beginnings, A Holy Heritage, Out of Africa, I Call My Son. And um, I, I can't think of the, the, the last one, but it was like three or four of them. And so I went on a journey to create this book. And um, at that time, that question was asked quite a bit uh, because, you know, um, we – did a lot of things with different cultures, and we looked different from them and everything. What you saw on TV was mostly not us, and what you saw in the books that you mentioned earlier was mostly not us. And so I wanted to put on the cover something that related to us in our household. So there's a mother doing a little girl's hair, and the little girl's holding the baby, and pretty much and, and, and you have these conversations while you're doing your hair and everything. And that's the question. She's looking at her little brother and noticing they're different than a lot of what they see on TV and advertisement and ask the question, Mommy, where do black people come from? And believe it or not, that question is still asked today. And so um, as it was relevant 22 years ago, it's still relevant today. And again, uh, like I said, it, it's, it's biblically based. But it starts with the beginning of um, Ham, Shem, and Jephthah with its uh, uh, Noah's Ark and the flood and then how the earth was populated. So it also does mention um, a couple of other cultures in there and how they were started. But uh, like I said, it, it just brings kids to the understanding to relate to themselves at a young age and to encourage them um, to know that they are part of this, um, the world and everything that's gone on and not just from Martin Luther King, which is great, or Malcolm X, which is great before that. So 
we were here before all of that. We were here in the beginning. So basically, that, that that's about it. And, it. and it's for young minds, easy to read, big letters, beautiful, colorful pictures that they can relate to, keep them interested in. And like I said, um, it, it, every household should have one. And, and um, people are pretty fascinated with it. And it's a poem in there, too, uh, that talks about how um, – God created earth, created from dust and dirt and sand, and that was one of the things that the minister brought out back 22 years ago. If you know, if we created from the earth, what different colors is you know the the dirts of the earth? There's brown sand, there's black dirt, there's red clay dirt. There's all different colors of you know dirt. So um, you know, in the beginning, God created the earth, and from the different dirts, and dirts are all different colors, and we are part of those different colors from the beginning. That's, that's and I think, I think that's important because many of our uh, young people today in the world that I speak with, a lot of them don't have a great belief in God because of the way their lives are, and mm-hmm. um, with that reflection, they just can't believe that there's a God. So with your book, breaking it down the way that you do will give them another perspective and help them to maybe um, want to know more about themselves as well as God who who created them. That's true. So one of the questions that I I do want to ask you, um, what is it that you can, what, what is it that you think can be done to get students to read more? You've touched on it some, but what are some other things that you may think of? Well, like you said, um, to read more, and I think you mentioned it earlier in the uh, program in regards to um, seeing yourself in books, seeing yourself in the newspaper other than something negative, um, something that you can relate to. Um, I think uh, a perfect example for me uh, I was not really into history because the history read talked about, you know, the early American history and different things. But once I got older and found out that there was a black, all you know, the, the black soldiers, um, it was interesting to me. So then I wanted to learn about, you know, the history of the the black soldiers during during the uh, World War uh, One and Two and, and and the Civil War and different things. So I think if our kids Again, heard and seen things that relate to them that they would want to read. And I think in the last segment I also mentioned the fact that for young kids, pictures are very important. And, again, if you see yourself, a picture of yourself or someone looks like you, it's easy. Um, it, it's easier for you to want to read that book. But pictures um, kind of guide kids along. So they kind of look at the pictures, they read, and the pictures kind of help them go through the book uh, from page to page. So I think pictures are really important for younger kids, and I think images are very important for everyone, all ages. I agree. I agree. Um, Because I know that is what made me want to pick up a book, uh, is seeing someone that looked like me on the book. Um, especially mm-hmm. when uh, they were speaking about the history of black people. Um, that, that was interesting to me. And I believe, just as you said, seeing yourself in a book 
will make you want to read a book. If you can't see yourself in whatever it is you're interested in, you're not going to be interested in it. So, are, are, another are you question. Say that again. I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't hear you. Or you don't see a future for yourself in anything that you look at because it doesn't reflect you. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And another question, what books would you recommend to students to read that would grab their interest that you have read? Okay, last year I just found a book that I thought was really interesting for kids, and it's called um, Super Sanity Savers. And it's it's part part, uh, and it's a new writer, and I think she's only done part one and part two, uh, but she's kind of stumbled up on something that she wants kids at a young age, which I think is very important, to have the right financial tools to reinvest and to have a work hard at financial know how and how to manage money for their future at a very young age. And I think that's really good. So she has a couple out now, Super Saturday Saver. One is a, a, a winter edition, one is a fall edition. And it basically just kind of takes you back in the past where we did these things, but we probably didn't do anything with the money we earned. So like in your winter, she, she kind of relates to, what you can do in the winter to make money, one of the things is shovel snow, and then how to invest that money. Uh, I can remember my brother shoveling snow, but what did they do? They probably went down to the to the little store on the corner and purchased some candy or something. Well, nowadays we may need to look at that a little different. And then she has a fall super Saturday savers. And, again, she says Saturday because this is when you start doing these things on Saturday, not during the week when you go to school. And, then, and, mm-hmm. and the fall one is to rake leaves. And to save that money, you know, and, and, you know, maybe start a little account at the bank or something and know how to, you know, um, get financially ready for the future at a young age. I really think that's a good one. The other one just came out this year, not so much for little kids, but maybe um, say maybe 10 to 12 or so. Uh, and, again, I'm going to go back to the Bible. Uh, it's by a guy by the name of Tharon Williams, and it's, uh, I think it's called uh, The Bible is Black History. And it's amazing how you he kind of takes American history and parallels it to um, the Bible and how it relates to black history. And I think that that's really good, too. Um, I've purchased both of those books, and uh, I thought they were very interesting to read and relates to me as a black person or, or would to a black child. I, I I would love to read those books as well, especially the Bible is Black History and the mm-hmm. Super Saturday Favors, because a lot of times our young people just don't think about what they can do to earn money. But having mm-hmm. a book such as that book will give them um, ideas of what they can do. Exactly. One thing again. I, mm-hmm, go ahead. With the pictures, uh, again, mm-hmm. I've said about pictures, the pictures in the Super Saturday uh, Saver are phenomenal. <laughs> they they okay. just really are. And, again, they, they, they portray what you see every day in yourself. Yeah, and I think a book like that will be so instrumental in our young people having a different view mm-hmm. of what they can do and how they can do it. You could do it as a group 
uh, or you could do it alone. But as long as you have the information, you could you could complete that task and make some money, or at least have an idea exactly. of how to make money. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because there's exactly. not a lot of jobs in our community, especially for our young people. And during the summer, you have some cities that give jobs, um, that have opportunities for jobs for young people, and then everybody can't get a job. So having this information would be helpful for youth. Yeah, it would. And it teaches them how to save. You know, if, if you make $10, save five of that dollars. You can spend $2 on candy, then you may want to spend $3 on something else, you know. So um, then you can sit and watch that five dollars that you made from raking leaves the whole month of say October and if you want something instead of going to your parents you have the money for it which you know nowadays that's that's the issue parents are buying kids everything so they don't really get it on their own so I I think it's really really a good good book yeah and it may give the parents an idea of helping their kids to be more financially aware of where money Mm -hmm. comes from and how to earn it Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. That, that that's a good book. I hope our listeners are is hearing this information and will go out and get that book for their children. But I also wanted to mention how I met you through Mr. Perry Wynn Hunt. He's a historian in uh Texas. I'm sorry, in Tennessee. And mm-hmm. he connected me to you and he helped me to get many of my guests on the radio show. I just want to thank Perry Wynn Hunt on the radio for helping me to meet you, Ms. Carla J. Jones. Thank you, and thank Perry Wynn. Yeah, I hope he's listening. I hope he's listening. All right, we're going to go to our next guest, and her name is Miss. Shawanda Randolph. Shawanda, are you here? Hi, Joanne. Yes, I'm here. All right. I'm going to read your introduction. Shawanda R. Randolph holds MBA in Healthcare Administration from Wilmington University and a master's degree in theology from Fuller Theological Seminary. She is the proud mother of one very special son. After retiring from the United States Air Force, God called her to ministry full-time. He would use her life as a model to demonstrate how our personal, professional, and spiritual life were interconnected. As a writer, speaker, leader, and mentor, she is dedicated to helping others flourish in their God-given paths. She has published Fresh Manna, Journey to a New Beginning. Fresh Manna is a devotional that is comprised of practical life lessons and questions that will challenge your way of thinking, encouraging you to begin to view yourself and the world through the eyes of the Creator. It is currently available on ShawandaRandolph.com, Amazon. Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, and other online retailers. Shawanda is most recently featured in the Amazon bestseller, 
20 Beautiful Women, Volume 6, where she shares her story of overcoming and defying the odds of victimization with the principle that a woman should never be defined by what she has been through. Instead, the challenges we overcome make us stronger, and our stories are meant to encourage and empower others, giving them fuel for the future. Shawanda resides in Arizona with her son and has started a nonprofit, the Scylla Comfort Center, with plans to open a center for those victimized by human trafficking, domestic violence, and sexual assault. Welcome, Shawanda, and thank you for being on the show this morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, we talked some last month, and I'm ready to hear more about Fresh Manna, a journey to a new beginning. Could you tell us a little bit about it? Um, so Fresh Manna was uh, kind of developed to help people to um, basically come out of their own wilderness journey or to kind of enter their wilderness journey. Um, it's based off of the uh, principles and the story of the Israelites as God took them out into the wilderness and truly understanding that he really had to um, strip down everything about who they thought they were um, so that he could help them to truly understand and come into the realization that these were his children and to learn to see things through his eyes and depend on him um, for uh, for what lies ahead as they went into the promised land. And so uh, Fresh Manna essentially does the same thing. It's uh, a 40 day devo- devotional, and it starts off, you know, essentially with the same uh, principles of starting to trust God. Um, what do you, what is your story about yourself? What do you tell people about yourself? Um, so for instance, there's, you know, in history and different cultures, people sit around and they have these gatherings and they talk about um, stories of, you know, ancestry um, that they would pass down um, to uh, the current generations. And what they would do is that, you know, they would share about who this individual was, that they, you know, their ancestors, who they were, and the things that they've been through. And so one of the questions or one of the devotionals that's in that book talks about, you know, the gathering. And so what would your story be? What, um, what would people say about you as they gather together? Um, and do you even know what that story would be like? And so by looking at that aspect and kind of going through that devotional and answering those questions and then moving on to the rest of, of fresh manna, what you essentially do is you really start stripping away some of those, um, I'll say kind of false identities, things that we've kind of picked up in life from different, different, um, um, different venues, right? And so kind of realizing that, wait a minute, you know, maybe I do a certain thing because my mother did a certain thing or because someone told me that this was the best thing for me. But in all actuality, you realize that this really wasn't for you. And so um, it helps you to really start discovering yourself the way that God created for you to be. And I believe that's so important 
as we move forward in life because it's great to have our influencers, but our influencers are truly are supposed to help us to discover who we are and not so much impose, you know, like our, our beliefs or um, too heavily on the individual to where they don't have their own identity. Yes, I, I agree with you. And especially when you said, uh, when, pe- when you asked the question, what do you tell people about yourself? Mm-hmm. A lot of times people don't think about what people think about themselves. And you really don't find out a lot about a person until you read their obituary. So with mm-hmm. a book like yours, Asking the questions that you're asking will help people to put more forethought into what they're telling people about themselves, whether they sit in a group and talk about it or by what they do every day. Yeah, so essentially what what we want to create is for them to realize who they are. Um, one thing about nowadays, you you know, especially with the, this generation, there's a lot of influencers that are in their life. And influencers to us is not the same thing as influencers to the current millennials, right? Um, most mm-hmm. of the time for us growing up, those influencers could be mom, dad, um, you know, different family members, and also you may have that community that kind of stuck together. You would have the neighbor that would kind of look after you, you know, at, at, after school or something. So mm-hmm. um, uh, you would have your teachers, um, you know, people like that were, that were heavily in your life. But nowadays um, influencers have expanded well beyond outside of that immediate community. And so a lot of it is, you know, celebrities and social media and things like that, which, again, um, it, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's a matter of are you taking on that image to be so much like that person to where you don't have your own identity. And that's what we, that's really what I want people to understand as they are even reading that section, you know, that, that devotional, the gathering, the gathering, I'm sorry, the gathering. What are, um, what would people say about you? Who are you? And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not so much of, well, what do you think about me? It's no, what has your life been like? Um, who, who is this individual? When you look in the mirror every day, can you say that, um, you know, I'm, you know, for, for myself, like I'm Shawanda, this is, this is what I like, this is what I don't like, this is why I like what I like, this is why I don't like what I don't like. Um, or is it based off of, you know, this is me and I like this because it's simply popular or I like this because it's just going to take me somewhere great. And it's really finding your identity in yourself. Basically, you know, if we say that God puts you on this earth for a purpose, then it's really tapping back into understanding what that purpose is and that mm-hmm. we're truly going to him for the source of our life instead of um, kind of flaky type sources is the best way for me to say that. Um, um, and so to kind of keep you on a, a strong and solid, solid foundation so that we are not, um, you know, in my opinion, and, and one of the things I talk about, are, are we taking our identity from, um, say, a horoscope? You know, we'll say, well, I'm a Gemini, and Gem- all Geminis are, you know, this way. Well, is that really who you are, or are you just making yourself to be that way because that's what you believe? Mhm. 
Um, and I think that's very important that we understand our own individual identity because once you do that, then you can really start understanding your own, your gifts, your talents that God really that, that God gave you to understand how you're supposed to be able to use those gifts and talents for your life um, because they're really not just for you. They're really to help other people as well. So what is that all about and really coming into that? And so by the even the end of the book, you really start relating to, okay, I've understood who I am, and now what I want to do is really connect, be able to connect to the right people, um, mm-hmm. be able to connect to my community well, and be able to make an impact and influence others in a positive light. Yes, and uh, we do. We need more people uh, that's willing to use their gifts to connect to their community. I was really interested in your um, your going to the bookstore with your son, and I really want people to hear this. Could you talk about that? So when my son was younger, um, what I did was I, I we had scheduled time, and you know we would read together. Um, and one of the things that we would do, or that I would do with him, was take him to the bookstore, and. I think that was important because as much as I had things that I loved to read um, as, as an adult, it just really wasn't what my son wanted to read. Um, and if I really wanted to understand who he was, who this, who, as I say in my book, who is this gift that God gave to me? And so sometimes it was really learning to allow him to lead a little bit. And so I would take him to the bookstore and, um, and I would just kind of follow him. And, you know, see what he picks up and see what caught his attention and ask him questions. Oh, so that's what you like? Oh, oh what, what is it about that um, that draws your attention to that? Why do, why do you like that? And so um, that allowed me to learn to, one, understand what he was into and, and be able to share that with him, um, share that experience with him. <clears throat> and you know, it was it was interesting because the, one of the times, I remember a time that we went, and he was very, very young. He was in elementary school, uh, probably no more than about um, six, seven years old. And so we get to the counter, and he's paying for his books. And um, the cashier, she's looking at me as if I'm going to pay for it, and I'm looking at my son, and he pulls out his checkbook, and he writes a check. Um, now, keep in mind, my son is almost 23, so this one we actually still used to use checks, right? <laughs> but mm-hmm. he writes a check. He, yeah, so he writes a check for his purchase, and the cashier is just amazed. I mean, she's shocked. And she's like, he has a checkbook? And I'm like, yes, he has a checkbook. Um, he's had his own bank account <laughs> for for a couple of years now. Um, and so I make sure that he learned how to write a check. So my son was, he knew how to write a check mm-hmm. um, while he was, you know, six, seven years old. And he had an ID card because, you know, we had to have an ID card for him anyway because he was a, a, a military child. But he showed his ID card and wrote his checks, and, and he had a little financial management book that we got from the bank. And um, I gave him those tools. So, I mean, now, I mean, he does stocks and investment and, um, all that kind of stuff um, on his on his own, and that ties right back to the book that 
Miss Jones spoke about Super Saturday Saturday favors. I would have been mm-hmm. like that cashier. I would have been so amazed to see a six or seven year old write a check for a purchase that they've made because many of our older youth are, are not familiar with uh, writing checks or anything about financial planning. Um, I know in Montgomery County. Yeah. Go ahead. So I, I think the challenge that we have with that really is our community. Our community does not talk about money. And, mm-hmm. and you know, if you think about it, years ago as we were growing up, you know, our parents worked and they worked hard. And we knew our parents worked and worked hard. And mm-hmm. we knew our parents provided for them. But our parents never really sat down and talked about money. Um, we, you know, it's, it's not something that has always been passed down for the most part in our community. And I think that's the problem. Um, so, you know, having the books and, and things like that is, is great, but unless the parent is actually, uh, or the guardian or whoever those influencers are in that child's life, unless they're sitting down with them and having these discussions and it actually, it, it, it doesn't really do much. Um, because nowadays, I mean, these youth nowadays, they are, they're brilliant. I mean, they create mm-hmm. things that our minds would just never be able to comprehend. But, you know, a lot of times what we do is we say, well, they, they, they don't understand certain things or, you know, they don't have certain tools. But, you know, I always point it back to, well, how much time are we spending with them to really have that conversation? Or are we still doing the same things that our parents and grandparents and great-great-grandparents did and say, well, you know, um, this is the money we bring in the house and we don't talk about it with you because it's really none of your business. Um, right. And, and that's, uh, that's something that we really need to change in, in, our, in our community as people of color um, because that's where we steer our young people wrong. Because if you look at it, by the time they're ready to go to college, mm-hmm. um, that's, when we, that's when we have that conversation. And that's when their feelings become hurt because it's like, well, how do we help them with college? You know, they, they've waited all this time. Maybe they want to go to college, and now we tell them uh, on the brink of about to, you know, pursue higher education, there's no money. There's nothing we can do. Because there was never a conversation beforehand. So I think it's something that it really has to start in the household um, mm-hmm. for us to have those conversations that we're just not, that, that were normally taboo. You know, it was normally taboo to have. Um, and then, again, spend that time with, with our youth to, to um, share those experiences and, and realize that, yeah, there was nothing wrong with the way that we grew up, but we can kind of make some changes and make things better for our youth for their future. Yes. Um, in Montgomery County, the state comptroller wants uh, to implement financial planning in the high school curriculum. But if it could start mm-hmm. at home, Learning mm-hmm. from the age of six or seven to to learn how to write a check or even just to know how to pay for an item when you go to the store would be so helpful for our young people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, because, you know, they use now, they use technology now. Um, you know, there is, there's no checks. They, they use their phone. Um, they use their watches or different, different entities to, um, to make purchases in stores. Um, and granted, they, they do that very well. Listen, they, uh-huh. they do that very well. They can purchase items very, very well. Um, they know exactly what they want, and they go get it. Um, and a lot of them nowadays are doing stocks and 
things that we just didn't think about when we were their age. But we would never know what they're doing unless we have a conversation with them. I mean, I remember I told my son, and he was kind of shocked, but I said, we learned how to read stocks in school. I think I was in eighth grade. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I, I lived in a, a, a predominantly black neighborhood. Um, you know, we were considered, you know, nowadays it would be considered middle class, but we were back then it was called poor middle class, right? Mm-hmm. And, but still, it was our teachers that taught us that, you know, we pulled out the newspaper and we learned to read stocks. But, yeah. you know, when the kids come home from school, because granted, they're spending more time in, in a given day at school than they are with us at home. But what are we asking them about what they're learning um, and to, to really get involved and to take that a, a step further? And I think that is, that is so key. That is so key. And then educate ourselves so that we can have that conversation yeah. with them. Yes. Well, I could talk about this for the rest of the show, but (laughs) we're not. (laughs) But I do want to ask you my two questions. What is it that Mm -hmm. you think could be done? And we probably touched on it a little bit already, but what can be done Mm -hmm. to get students to read more? Um, I think to get them to read more is really um, probably learning to take an interest in what they're doing. Um, For my son, Again, when I would take him out and really talk to him and take him to different places and find things that caught his attention, then I would take him to those, you know, take him to the store. Um, Even if it was a movie um, that he liked, um, then we would kind of, you know, he would read those books. And so, um, you know, it's to not discount what they are interested in, but to just kind of help them um, enhance that interest. So even if it's, even if it's something like comics, you know, we're, we're, we're into Marvel comics and things like that, but read a comic book. It's great. It's what they're interested in. And then they'll continue to read more and dig and research. Um, and they do background work on who these characters are and the life and the stories and all of that. So it's really taking an interest in what they're doing and just truly support that and have those conversations with them. And that exercise with your son, just taking him to the, bookstore and following Mm -hmm. him around and allow him to have that freedom to make a choice, I think would make a difference in you uh, reading everywhere if parents did what you did. I wish I had known that. I would have done it because it would have made a difference because I could have seen what my child was thinking about, what he was interested Mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. Just, Just give him that freedom to go and observe would have been the best thing for any child to learn and mm-hmm. want to become interested in other things. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And and the next thing, what book would you, would you recommend to students to read that would grab their interest that you have read? So one of the books I wanted to kind of kind of throw out there is I, there's a young lady that I know. Her name is Dee Dee Myrick. Um, she wrote this book called Trudy McIntyre and the Originals, um, and she published it last year. And it's uh, about a 10-year-old girl that actually has a mild uh, cerebral palsy, and she's kind of bullied in school, and she's um, not really um, – she basically in the story, she learns to pretty much take pride in who she is despite her differences um, compared to, to other people. And mm-hmm. although, 
you know, and, and I think this book really touches on, one, bullying, and then, two, it also deals with um, being um, being secure in your own identity, um, whether it's, you know, you have different issues with your body or you're a different color or, or whatever it is about you, to really feel prideful about who you are and realizes that our differences is really what um, – what really can pull us together instead of separating us. And I think that's a book, a, a very good book for young people to read. Um, I think they'll relate to it well. Um, it's on Amazon. And I think parents should kind of read it too because it really helps them to understand even some of the things that those youth are, are going through. And that's one of the, and she wrote it from um, a personal perspective. And what's the name of the book again? It's, um, it's called Trudy McIntyre and the Originals. Um, it's the first in a series that she's doing, and her name is Dee Dee Myrick, two-letter Ds, and then Myrick, M-Y-R-I-C-K. Thank you very much for that. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. children being secure in their own identity, especially with a child with cerebral palsy, mm-hmm. would be a great book uh, to explain to children who have all their faculties to be to know their own identity to be secure mm-hmm. in their own identity thank yes, you and learn to embrace each other's differences absolutely yes yes thank you so much for that i hope my listeners are are intending on getting these books and letting their children and their young people read them uh because i believe the books that's been um mentioned are really helpful in helping our students to open their minds and see the world as a different place where they could have their dreams and aspirations uh, fulfilled if they only put in the work mm-hmm. to read. Thank you so much. Absolutely. All right, Thank we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and speak with Narsir Randolph. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I improved my credit score. You're kidding, right? Uh, no. How are we supposed to be the bad boys of electrosynth pop if you're out there being responsible? The band is about to be discovered. This is our year. Uh, yeah, you've been saying that for a while now. You think anyone in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was worried about their credit score? I never really thought that Of we're... course they weren't. Rock stars aren't supposed to think about that kind of stuff. We're supposed to think about how many guitars we've smashed, write aggressively sensitive power ballads, start questionable fashion trends, tragically break up and blame creative differences. All right, all right, just... I thought maybe it was time to take control of my finances, you know? Start using a budget. Get out of debt. Set some goals. A budget? Debt? Set some goals? Listen, I knew that we'd have our creative differences, but I was hoping they'd involve a little more scandal. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Hi, my name is Matthew Pinsker. I'm a historian, and here are some things you need to know to sound smart about the 19th Amendment. The 19th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, the one that guaranteed women the right to vote, was ratified in 1920. But the truth is, women had been voting in American elections for long before that. In the early years of the Republic, for example, there were some places where women voted, in the state of New Jersey until 1807. But in most cases, 
Women were denied the right to vote in the 19th century. They started agitating for the right to vote openly and in public in the late 1840s and early 1850s after meetings in places like Seneca Falls in New York. During the Civil War period, women were involved in the fight against slavery and the fight to save the Union. After the Civil War, leaders like Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony thought that their fight to end slavery would get them included in the amendments like the 14th Amendment and the 15th Amendment that guaranteed the rights to former slaves, and they lost. It was a devastating blow to their cause, and so they reorganized themselves in a long campaign for suffrage. Sometimes they did this on a state-by-state or territory-by-territory basis, especially effective out west. Then there were women led by Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton who organized the National Woman's Suffrage Association. They were fighting to change the Constitution. Sometimes they fought in the courts. They actually tried to vote. Susan B. Anthony got herself arrested at one point doing that. Ultimately, these fights converged at the beginning of the 20th century and during the era of World War I. There was a serious campaign to try to change the Constitution. They had what they called silent sentinels posted outside the White House with protest signs. Those silent sentinels were arrested by municipal authorities and imprisoned. It was uh, a stark moment in the history of women's rights, women being imprisoned, and in some cases force-fed. Eventually, women gained the right to vote in states like New York. They convinced Woodrow Wilson to support women's suffrage. And finally, by 1919, the Congress had endorsed, after much struggle, this proposed amendment to the U.S. Constitution. And women began voting wholesale across the country in the presidential election of 1920. Welcome back to Read, Read, Read with your host, Joanne Burrell on the CWR Talk Network. Welcome back to the Read, Read, Read radio show on the CWR Talk Network with your host, Joanne Burrell. Well, we've come to the second half of our show, and we're now going to speak with Nasir Randolph. Nasir is a freshman at Benedict College in South Carolina, majoring in psychology and social work. He has worked as an independent contractor for over three years as a graphic designer, building websites and more. In 2018, as CEO, he founded and established Rory Lyons Media, a brand and business consulting company. They administer everything from helping you draft press releases and and developing online media campaigns to building your ideal website. Welcome, Narcia. How are you? How are you doing, Ms. Joanne? I'm doing wonderful today. It's good to have you here. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing and the book that you want to write. Awesome. Um, so what I'm doing with my company, um, Run Line Media, um, the company that I have, we are a um, – media company, so we do everything from brand consulting to website designing and website hosting, 
um, along with graphic design. So we have so many different facets of our business um, because I believe that it's important um, for the image of people to portray what they want to say. Um, because no matter how much people say, oh, I don't care what people think about me, it is important about what people think about you because they can help push you to your future. Um, and with the book that I'm writing now, um, I'm writing a book about the importance of being a self-advocate for yourself um, in situations and how that when you come to situations, it is literally important for yourself to be able to advocate to advocate for yourself. Um, because a lot of times as young people, um, you're told to not speak as much, you're told to not be vocal, and you're kind of suppressing your thinking and your thought patterns. But I want to read a book that teaches young people <clears throat> how to be respectful, and also self-advocate for themselves to get change done. Oh, that sounds like a wonderful book. Uh, it's tying in right into what Ms. Jones and Ms. Randolph have spoken about with our youth and uh, opening their minds and helping them to really be in tune uh, with what's going on in the world and read more. Uh, the books that they mentioned would be um, instrumental in helping them to view that. And your book would, would be instrumental in helping them to view that, especially coming from a young person, because you will be able to uh, input your thoughts that they're more familiar with. Yes, ma'am. So we also have um, questions. I have a question that I want to uh, ask you in regards that I've asked the other uh, guests on the show. But I want to ask you, what could be done to get students to read more? Um, I love the response that all of the other um, authors have given. Um, One thing that I loved about what Ms. Randolph, my aunt, said was it's about finding out what that student, well, what that child wants to read and what interests them. Um, Because a lot of times growing up, one thing that you do and why students say that they don't like school, the reason why they say that they don't like school is because that they say that they don't like the material, the material doesn't, um, it doesn't work with what they're doing, they're not able to relate to it. And I feel like you need to find out what students want to do and what students are interested in. Um, I'm reminded of growing up for me, um, when I grew up, I grew up in a little small church, and for me, I loved reading the Bible. For most students, that was not what they wanted to do. But for me, I love reading the Bible because the stories were so transparent. They gave so many life lessons. It taught me how to speak better. And what my mother did was, along with knowing that, that I like to read the Bible, what she would make me do is she would call me into the room after we did our homework together, and she would say, rewrite this passage of Scripture. And so what, what happened was by me rewriting the Scripture for something that I found interesting, it helped me to really connect with the text. It helped me to really make it more applicable for me. It helped me to make it more palatable so that I could understand what was going on. Um, and the one thing I like that why I'm going to use the Bible as an example there are some people who are able to read the King James Version, but there are some people who need the, who need the English Standard Version. There are some people who need, need the New Living Translation. It's all about what that child finds interesting to them and also what they're able to understand. 
because, you know, when we live in a digital age, a lot of times what we don't realize is students, a lot of, I don't know why I keep saying students, but a lot of the children, what they're doing is they're reading on their smartphones. They're Mm -hmm. reading articles on social media, and they're constantly doing it about things that they're interested in. And what we need to not do is make students feel belittled because they're not reading the material that we think they should read or the stuff that we want them to read. Yes, I think that's important um, because if if they're reading just because we're telling them to read, it's not going to do much for them. They're going to rebel more so than uh, become in tune to what they're reading. But as Ms. Randolph stated, help the children to find out what it is that they want to do. Give them different ways of finding that out instead of, telling them what to do, how to do it. Don't speak. Speak because, as you said, it it hinders their understanding. And what book would you recommend to students to read that would grab their interest that you have read? Um, A book that I have read that I would suggest for other people. Um, This would be a book that I would suggest um, in a book. It will be Night by Ellie Wiesel. Um, It's a story about a guy and his father and their experience through the Holocaust. Um, Mm. That book for me was interesting. But one thing I have to say is it's very difficult for me to give a suggestion for a book because everybody is so different with what they like to read. Everybody's mind is so different. Everybody's thoughts are so different. Uh, And with what Ms. Jones said about – you know, students, I mean, children want to read stuff about themselves. I agree with that, but I also feel like students need to be exposed to more than just their culture. Because one thing that we do in the African-American culture is my family, they educated me on black history. My family educated me on those individuals that I need to know about, those stories that I need to know about. But the one thing that my mother always said was I need to make sure that you are educated about every single culture. Because what happens is if we as African-Americans only focus on educating our children on African-American literature, what happens when they go to the workplace and they're boss does not match what they've been learning about. What happens when this child goes and their boss is of Caucasian descent or their boss is of a descent that they didn't know anything about? So when they try to go down and they're at a corporate meeting and they're trying to connect with their um, employers um, and their colleagues, they're not able to connect with them because they have no information about anybody else other than themselves. I believe that it is totally important for students of all races to read information and literature about other cultures and educate themselves about different parts of the world so that they're not boxed in in their mind and so they can see what other people are doing and how other people contributed to society and not just us African Americans, which we are awesome. But I feel like they should learn about so many different, so many more things than just boxing their minds. Yes, it is good for them to see themselves in a book, but as well, they need to learn about other people. And attending the schools that's in most communities, most of the time, give them a lot of the other races of what they need to know. So thank you, Nasir. I really appreciate you being here this morning. No and I really enjoyed this opportunity. And I'm Thank you so much for being here because we're getting the view from a young person. Um, 
and so and there's so much work that we need to do in the community for our young people who we're losing and they're not reading and they're not involved in opportunities that can help them to um, to in, make their lives better. So with this show, I hope that uh, I I think you need to mute yourself, um, Nasir, but it's a wonderful opportunity for students to get to know uh, what's out in the world available to them. And these books that's been mentioned would be a great start in them knowing how to to be more interested in reading. Well, we've come to the end of the show. I want to thank my guest, Ms. Carla J. Jones, the author of Mommy, Where Do Black People Come From? Ms. Shawanda R. Randolph, and the title of her book is Fresh Manna, Journey to a New Beginning, and Nasir Randolph and his self-advocacy book for youth soon to be published. One who refuses to seek the advice of others will eventually be led to a path of ruin. A mentor helps you to perceive your own weaknesses and confront them with courage. The bond between a mentor and mentee enable us to stay tuned to our chosen path until the very end. Commit to mentor a child today. Thank you all for being a guest on the Read, Read, Read radio show. And thank you to my listening audience, to Mr. Donnell Edwards. Thank you, Mr. Perry Wynn, for all of your support with the Read, Read, Read radio show. And thank you to all for taking the time out of your day to listen to the Read, Read, Read radio show on the CWR Talk Network. Remember, it's nice to be important, but it's, in, but it's more important to be nice to somebody. Until next time, peace. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.